Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the program? An ACC shakedown is seven members of the Atlantic Coast Conference have kind of jarred some things financially within the conference to get a bigger cut, a bigger piece of the pie for themselves. Why, this is bad news for the ACC going forward. And all you got to do is point to the Big Ten and the SEC to see why. The ACC had the opportunity to expand. They chose not to. Why, the ACC is going to end up a lot more like the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Well, the Big 12 may have outflanked them here. So we're going to look at this with what's going on with the ACC. Also, Brooks Kepka, I mean, Kepka's quest, he finally, after finishing second at Augusta a month ago, to John Rahm, what's he do? He comes out, he takes charge of the PGA Championship over the weekend, and he picks up his fifth major. What's that mean for Brooks Kepka? And only, what, three other guys have as many majors under the age of 34? So I, Tiger being one, Jack being another... Can he get to them? No, but Brooks Kepka does have a chance to do something pretty special here in the next five or six years of his career, especially that he's healthy now. So we're going to look at that and also Gator Baseball. As they win co-champs of the regular season in the SEC, why the mindset now should be keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. I know there's that little thought that I get rested up for the uh, postseason. Maybe not be a bad thing to lose in the SEC tournament. It'd be a terrible thing. So we're going to look at that as well. Again, Harp on Sports, the bar. Check us out. Twitter, Instagram, at Harp on Sports. Auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Also, Harp on Sports Facebook page, Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel under the bar, and of course, HarpOnSports.com. All right, where are we going to start? Start with the ACC first. Uh, this is a little bit of a shakedown. Seven schools, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech basically shook down the rest of the conference for more money and are okay about it. The other five schools in the conference, or actually I take that back when it's all said and done, the other seven schools in the conference that weren't part of this shakedown, so you had half shaken it down, half not. They were Pitt, Boston College, Duke, uh, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Wake, and Louisville. So what do you have here? Well, you have a case of a grant of rights deal that was agreed to in 2016 for 20 years for all these media properties because the ACC wanted to keep up with the SEC, and they launched the ACC Network. In doing so, creating the ACC Network, the conference signed a 20-year deal with ESPN for those rights. We're in year seven of that 20-year deal. So it's 13 more years before they even have a crack at this, to shake this up, to do something different, to bring in more money. You're talking about 15 to $20 million more for SEC schools than ACC schools. Now, what happens here at this point? Well, what happens now is the those other seven, Pitt, Boston College, Duke, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Wake, and Louisville get hosed because the ACC had to rob Peter to pay Paul. Okay. Now, those other major seven don't care. But you're going to run into, this is very similar to what happened with Texas and the Big 12 with the Longhorn Network and Texas, Oklahoma got a bigger cut of the money. At the end, it did not matter because there was so much more money pouring in from where? From the SEC that they took them anyway. Took them anyway. And when the Big 12 talked about expanding for years and years, no, schools didn't want to. Why? 
because then they'd have to share a bigger piece of the revenue. Now, one thing the ACC did get done here with this deal is that if they add new teams, then ESPN has to cut a bigger check to those teams that are coming into the conference. I don't know who you, the ACC, who you add. I don't. I don't know who you add to, to, to make it financially viable in terms of growth and impact. You're not going to get anybody from the Big Ten. You're not going to get anybody from the SEC. The only thing you could do, the only thing you could do if you're the ACC is you have to go raiding into the Big 12. It's the only thing you could do because the Big 12 is going to be at what? The Big 12 is going to be at 16 this year, and then they're going to go back down to 14 next year. When you add, who's coming in this year? BYU, Cincinnati coming in this year, along with UCF. You know, you're, you're getting schools that are coming into the conference now. Houston coming into the Big 12. Well, if you're the ACC, you could go raiding for a couple of those schools. You could add Oklahoma State. And I guess basketball-wise, if you wanted to add Kansas. But that that's not going to do anything for you. Football-wise, you want to get in those big markets. You're going to pry Houston away now? I, I, don't, I don't know where you'd go. I wrote down here, too, I said, where are you going to expand? Oklahoma State, Baylor, Memphis? That There's nobody that you can add that, that, that can bring in so much more financially because of the market that they're in. I guess if you're the ACC, you got Miami. I guess you could go get USF, which would bring you the Tampa market. You could go do something like that. But the ACC is kind of in a weird spot right now. They're in a weird spot. And Brett McMurphy of the Action Network coined the, the seven, the Magnificent Seven. It's a great article in which he talks about how this shakedown took place and how they got more money. And okay. Well, now when they want to expand, what do they do? Now, the mystery team in all of this is who? The mystery team in all of this has always been sitting there and always lurking that would change the dynamic of this entirely is Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame, if they're going to be a part of the ACC, they're going to be a bigger cut than all of them. And hey, we'll do it, but we want a bigger cut than everybody. Well, then you don't get it. Okay. How can you now, if you're one of these seven, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, Virginia Tech, if Notre Dame wants to join, they have you over the barrel. They could ask for a double share. We want twice as much as the big school gets, as Florida State gets. We're not going to give it to you. Okay, Big Ten, what do you want? See? I just don't know where you expand. I don't know what you do. If, if you're them. I mean, you could just hang tight, I guess. So now you have to get creative. And I'm sure they're going to. And every single year, the ACC would be wise to have their big boys, at least some of these big boys, playing in those kickoff classic games whether it's in Atlanta, Chick-fil-A, whether it's in Dallas, whether it's in Houston, you know, all these different places, they kick these things off now. If I, look, if I were Miami, Clemson, Florida State, I mean, look, if you're Pitt, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Wake, Louisville, you almost have to beg to be part of one of these now. You need that extra money, especially if you're those seven. If you're Pitt, Boston College, you know, Boston College is, I kind of put Boston College, even though it's, Media market-wise, it's the top 15, top 20 media market. Boston College kinds of fit where, like, Arkansas fits in the SEC. And then Syracuse, Wake. I I don't know what you do for those schools. I just don't. I mean, you get you get revenue when you play Notre Dame. That's a non-conference game. That's a conference game, football-wise, anyway. So, look, those other seven are going to have to get creative. So, it, it's, a, it's a weird time for that conference. And they basically... 
they're going to expand. I don't know. I don't know what they offer. Like if you're going to go after a Houston, if you, in a couple of years, Big Twelve, you're going to have to go Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's going to go. Okay, well, we want the same deal that Clemson, Miami, and those schools have. If you're Clemson or Miami or North Carolina, are you going to give Oklahoma State money? Because you're going to be surrendering money at that point. You're going to make the blueprint of the conference bigger. I, I, again, I don't know the ACC. I I looked around and I thought, okay, well, you could you're going to go into the American Conference? Are you going to? I mean, you could go get Memphis. You, can you go into the Mac? Are you going to try I, Akron to bring in Cleveland? I don't know what you'd do. No, you can't do that. So the ACC's in full shakedown mode. And they survive. They survive. They continue to exist. But without expansion, and I don't know where you go. Because the Big Ten could come take Georgia Tech if they wanted to. The Big Ten could come and really, the Big Ten could take Miami if they really wanted to. We're going to pay you a lot of money, but they can come take those teams. You can't go into the Big Ten and get anybody. Now, it's one interesting about this is the Big Ten shares are even. The SEC shares are even. The ACC shares are uneven. The Big 12 of Texas and Oklahoma, those shares were uneven. The Pac-12 trying to negotiate things, making the shares uneven based on the programs. So, good luck. The ACC, look, they, they saved the conference for now. But in order for this to work, they're going to have to get very creative when it comes to their expansion. And those schools that just got all that extra money are going to have to okay Going out and grabbing some other teams. I don't know where you go. I don't. Where do you go searching? Because the Memphises of the world aren't going to cut it for this. Not for this. Again, if you're the ACC, the only thing I can think of is you could add media markets with like South Florida and bringing in Tampa. You could try that. Oklahoma State and South Florida. I don't know what you do at this point. So there you go. Um, pivoting from the ACC into the SEC. Florida Gator Baseball wins the SEC Conference, at least co-champs, with Arkansas. What does it mean? Well, it means they're regular season champs. They're the one seed in the tournament. And, you know, college baseball is one of these things that, you know, what's deemed success in college baseball? It's getting to Omaha. And Florida hasn't been to Omaha in, what, five years? So, is the regular season SEC champs now what? Well, they're the one seed, and they wait, and they play Wednesday night, Wednesday evening, and, you know, it's funny because you get to this point and you start to hear things and say things like, we should rest our pitching staff. The, the tournament's not that big of a deal. Well, okay, Sherlock, but here's the problem with that. Getting beat right away is not a good thing either. What, you're going to go out there and you're gonna, the, the last taste in the mouth you're going to have of these teams going into regional plays getting dumped? Now, I'm not saying you piecemeal this thing like it's the ALCS and NLCS and you're trying to get to the World Series. I'm not saying you do that with the pitching staff, but you're the Gators right now. And I went through and looked at this about where they sit and where they are pitching-wise and what they have roster-wise. Sprout, Waldrop, and Caglione, what those guys have done this year, they, they've got a solid 1-2-3 now, especially with what Caglione's done. And In order for this team to win and go to Omaha, you need that third guy in the rotation. You got your Friday night guy. You got your Saturday night guy. What do you do when you lose to have that guy that can come back after a loss? And that would be, in this case, Caglione. So, you know, as Florida sits there Wednesday, if they win Wednesday, okay, then they punch their ticket to Thursday. And then if you're able to win on Thursday in the SEC tournament, then you're into the single elimination weekend type of scenario with Friday off. But if you're Florida, I I never understood this whole thing. Like, I understand if, oh, we need to rest. We need to rest. I kind of get that stuff. If you're in a major conference tournament in basketball and you've played five days and you're playing and then then you have to turn around and then you have to play Thursday. I I get that maybe a little bit. But if you're your pitching staff and let's say you use your your ace sprout on Wednesday, 
Waldrop pitches Thursday. You win both of those. Keglione comes back Saturday and you get beat. Okay, now your rotation's set up for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday regional. Okay, then you're good. Everybody pitched? It's like a series. And if you're going to be in the championship game on Sunday of the SEC, then, you know, do you, do you piece that together? I, I don't know how big of a deal it is, but you want to win the conference. You want to win a championship, right? Because when you, you know, you want to win a title, but this team has enough talent that you're talking about leaving a mark as the best team ever here, aren't you? This team sits there at what? 42 and 13. So what's at stake with the SEC tournament? 50 win season. You go to the SEC tournament and you pick up two wins. You got a chance at a 50 win season. Hard to do. A legitimate shot at it. Because you win two games in the SEC tournament, then you win your regional, you're at 46 wins heading into your super regional. And then, you know, if you're going to go, you're going to go to Omaha, you're at 48. Then if you do some damage in Omaha, you're going to win 50 games. But you're trying to compete with that 17 team and other teams that have gotten there and that have lost. But if you're the regular season champs in the SEC, you're the tournament champs in the SEC, and you go on to win the sucker, then you can sit there and say, we're the greatest Gator baseball team of all time. That's what you're playing for. I understand, well, I'd rather win the championship the SEC. Those teams aren't mutually exclusive. You don't get to change one of those for the other. Of course you'd rather win a national title than a conference title. But that's not how this works. Winning one doesn't preclude you from winning the other one. It just doesn't. So, what's next? Well, here's where we are, gang. And, you know, the last thing you'd want, you talk about momentum. You have Jack Caglione, who struggled in that third spot in the rotation on weekends for a good chunk of the year. His last two games, last two Sunday starts or game three starts, 13 and two thirds, one earned run, four walks and 17 Ks. He's cooking. And you're going to what now have two weeks off. If you get dumped twice here in the SEC tournament early on, you're going to have two weeks off between him pitching. It's not good. And if he's pitching, that's an elimination game, isn't it? Well, he's going to pitch in a regional. He's got to pitch in a regional. He's going to pitch in an elimination game. Maybe you're trying to stave off elimination. You're trying to bury somebody. You want him to have at least one start in there. So this whole notion that, oh, well, winning the regular season doesn't mean anything. Of course it doesn't. It means you're the one seed. It means you're a champion. Because if you get beat, let, let's face it, if you win the SEC, you win the SEC tournament, you go to Omaha and get beat, at least you get to look back and go, we won the SEC. We didn't win a championship, but damn, we won something. Won the conference. You go and you don't win this, and you don't win the SEC tournament, and then... You go to Omaha and you get beat. You look back and go, what do we win exactly? This notion of the regular season doesn't matter in anything anymore is ridiculous. Getting to the final four, even if you lose, matters. Winning your conference, it should. Well, it doesn't matter. Only championships matter. Well, okay. But if you're Florida, it's more than just winning the SEC. It's keeping your rotation intact. It's not having two full weeks off. It's preparing. It's keeping your rotation. You look, even like I said, if you're Florida and you... Sproat pitches Wednesday and you win. Waldrop pitches Thursday and you win. And then you lose Saturday with Caglione. Okay, then all three starters got to go and there you go. If you win with Caglione, now where it gets start, starts to get dicey is if you win, then lose. Or you lose, then win. Then you're into the loser's bracket. And now, let's say, let's say you go win-loss. Okay. Now you're in the loser's bracket, and then Caglione wins. Okay, now what do you do? Now you're getting into some murky territory where if you go win-loss-win, you've gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and now you're coming back with your fourth starter, your Tuesday starter, on Saturday. And if you win that, and then you're getting into Sunday then. And then what? See, there's where, there is where I kind of go, okay, this gets, there's where it can get dicey, where you mow through your entire pitching staff through the losing column. But as long as you're winning, 
You're in good shape. As long as you're winning, you're in good shape. So good job for the Gator baseball team. I wanted to wrap with this. Brooks Kepka's quest. You know, I, I made mention of this about a month ago when Brooks Kepka lost in the Masters, that at least he made things somewhat interesting. He was around on Sunday, pushed John Rahm a little, and what do we have? Well, we have a guy now that just picked up his fifth major, three PGA championships, two U.S. Opens, hadn't won one in four years. Two years ago, had major knee reconstructive surgery. So he lost a whole year, essentially. And now he's healthy again. So we've already seen another Brooks Kepka run where he wins, you know, three of the next six, seven majors. I hope so. Brooks Kepka now, five majors. What does he do? Well, I went through and looked at this. He's one away from Mickelson and one away from Nick Faldo. What's Phil have? Two PGAs, one Open Championship, and three Masters. So Phil's got six, never won the U.S. Open. Nick Faldo six there with six titles. A couple Masters, a couple Open Championships. So Brooks Kepka's one away from Faldo and, and Mickelson. He's two away from Arnold Palmer and Lee Trevino. So Brooks Kepka's now in some, in some rarefied air. He's not quite there yet in terms of tracking some of those big names down. But with another one, again, he ties Mickelson and Faldo with two more majors. Just throwing them out there like they're, you know, M&Ms, right? Two more majors. He gets to Palmer and Trevino. And then you start to look around the corner to the double-digit guys. And the double-digit guys are who? Walter Hagen with 11, Tiger with 15, and Jack sitting there with 18. Now, is Brooks ever going to get to 18? No. But at the age of 30, what, three? The fact that he's got five? Could he get to double digits? You bet he could. Let's say he comes out and wins the U.S. Open. Now he's got six. Or wins the Open. Okay. At five, where, where do I think he ends up? Well, look, if he stays healthy, he's going he's gonna to win a couple more. If he stays healthy, he's got a legitimate shot at 9-10 majors. You bet he does. And then you're talking about, you know, in the modern era of golf, you know, of course, you got Jack, then you got Tiger at 15. Then do you, then do you start talking about Brooks, Kepka? No, look, he could very easily never win another one. This is the way this sport works sometimes. You're good, you're good, then it's over. I mean, look with Phil a couple years ago. Okay, okay, he's never going to win another one. Boom. Well, at the age of 50, he wins the master, or he wins the, uh, <laughs> with the PGA championship. You're like, wow, where'd that come from? It's where this is. So, what do I think? I I think he's got a legitimate, you know, I, I look at the ages here. With 33 years old, I, <laughs> Tiger at 15 is going to be a lot to ask. I mean, that was such an impressive run. And to do that, you you know, maybe if he doesn't have the knee problem and he's at seven right now, you could kind of go, well, yeah. But there's going to be years in there where you win three majors to give yourself a shot at that. Because somebody else is going to come along in their mid-20s, late-20s here and get hot. Not going to win them all. But good for Brooks Kepka at least makes things interesting here. And we've talked about, is he the preeminent golfer in the sport today? Well, a couple years ago, that's the guy that Tiger beat in the Masters. A couple years ago, it's what three, four years ago now. Been three years ago now. Yikes, four years ago now. Boy, it seems like that was just a couple years ago, wasn't it? Four years ago. So again, I I look at this sport now. Live at to me, the people, the hardcore fans that get in golf is an individual sport. It's individual achievement. The live PGA that's is irrelevant to me. I, I don't care what tour you play. And I just want to see the big names and the big names and what you measure people on success or majors. 
by the way, the, the Michael Block thing, I, I want to mention this. It's a neat story. It's like a 15 beating a two in the NCAA tournament. It's like, oh, this guy's just a local pro. It's a good, it's a good story. He's a good kicker. Because what Hovland and couldn't get it done, had, had, had a big, big double bogey was on 16, where it kind of started to slip on him, 16, 17. And then you had what? DeChambeau really didn't close. He didn't have enough. Scheffler didn't get in there to, to cause much damage. So at least you had the, the Michael Block story. There was, oh, that's a nice little kicker. But they go, okay, good. They go, oh, this is great. You forget about him in a week. But it's, it's a fun part of the story. You bet it is. Michael Block's a little, not exactly the same, but what Austin Reeves is doing for the Lakers. Great. They're going to get swept. But it's neat watching him do what he's doing. So there you go. So good for Brooks Kepka. What does it mean? It means Brooks Kepka has a chance to get to, to double-digit majors. And he reestablishes himself as the preeminent guy in golf. So there you go. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe. At Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram. Harp on Sports, auditory route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast under Harp on Sports, the bar. You can check us out too. Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel under the bar. Harp on Sports, the Facebook page. And of course, harponsports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.